Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World episode 70. Uh, I'm your host, uh, John Jordan, and with me uh, today is uh, Jack O'Holloran, who is the CEO of uh, Scale Labs. How's it going, Jack? Going great. Happy to be here. We'll get into what Scale Labs do and, and why, you're, why you are on the podcast uh, in a little bit, but it's always good to get the kind of the backstory. I guess all of us in kind of blockchain world have a, have a broadly similar, but there's some interesting, often some interesting kind of, uh, kind of details. So it's kind of good to kind of set you in place. So um, how, did you, how did you find your way into this world? Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, it's it's so amazing how we've all kind of so many people have taken different paths. We all ended up here in this uh, blockchain tribe. So it's always fun to talk about this. I actually came from uh, traditional tech startups in Silicon Valley. Uh, was it a first tech startup? Was in two thousand five. Um, had uh, some successful uh, exits and started a few companies. Uh, one being Octana, which is the world's uh, leading AI machine learning platforms, almost every pharma and bio, uh, biopharma rep around the world is and is guided to deliver better healthcare information through this AI machine learning platform. So built that company, did that for about nine years, also started a company uh, implementing a, an, uh, a digital currency back in 2008, where you could gamify, you could essentially apply game theory and behavioral economics and make people pay for things internally with these fake currencies like NASA, uh, for example, NASA bucks, and you could buy wind tunnel time or super compute time. So that was really my first foray into really uh, trying to, you know, coincidentally understand gaming and understanding, I think the world's greatest behavioral economic economics experts who are not theorists, but actually doing the stuff in practice are in the gaming industry. And, and, uh, you know, what got really deep in gaming too. And I think gave a huge portion of my savings away to Supercell in the process. And, you know, it was an entrepreneurial exercise that turned into an addiction, but uh, really, really, you know, have been a fan and, uh, and player and advocate of, of gaming and its, its evolution all while, you know, I was also learning about blockchain and started back in 2011 with a Bitcoin white paper and kind of getting more actively involved in 2013 uh, and then, you know, in 2017, I was starting a new company and I was working again on another AI machine learning company in San Francisco, uh, knew how to do, knew that playbook through and through, but I was spending all my time reading and learning about Ethereum and learning about the power of programmable blockchains and realized that, you know, there's just amazing opportunity to create not just a new business model, but or, or a new business, but really change the way money and systems and groups interact online. And uh, it was intellectually stimulating. So never turned back, started Scale Labs with Stan Cloudco at the end of 2017. And we've been, uh, you know, full speed ahead um, and getting ready to launch the mainnet in June. Cool. Wow. That's a good point of history. Covered a, covered a lot of ground there. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, so a good track record. You've covered a lot of different things kind of in that time. Um, and being kind of you know, successful doing that, when you've kind of started into blockchain kind of seriously, you, you have been, you know, 2017, we're now kind of sort of 2020. Has that been kind of a surprising how long it's taken to get something kind of up and off the ground? I mean, obviously, you've been working on stuff, but but getting to the kind of the, the point where you're doing a mainnet launch, has, has it, was it that a surprise or was you, were you just it's such a radical technology? You know what? We... We got started in earnest in really December 2017 and, and 
and, and, you know, and again, the first three months were just really product market fitting, talking to people. And, and we actually got started thinking Stan was trying to build a, uh, he was trying to build a DAP. So he was trying to build a decentralized exchange. He also had a Twitter payments DAP he was thinking about and work about working on. He had four or five different ideas saying, Hey, I've built this scaling method and we can build all these businesses. And then, you know, then I was working on something else and he and I were introduced by a couple of investors and, you know, I, we put our heads together and we came out of that saying like, let's, you know, we both know how to build middleware. Let this, let's, let's help so many other games and decentralized exchanges and DeFi applications, et cetera. Let's help all of them be successful rather than try to build up different businesses, which, you know, obviously is a much better business decision to do that than try to do everything yourself. Right. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, it's interesting. A lot, I think a lot of the, 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 the uh, it's just in general, the kind of the middle people who do come up with middleware solutions are people who kind of were trying to do something and realized there was a kind of a gap in the, you know, there was something they couldn't get to their end goal because there was a, like a technological gap and they kind of ended up focusing on the technological gap rather than, than the, uh, than the thing they were trying to, trying to do. And that proved obviously, yeah, more valuable to a lot more people. Um, it's kind of, I guess it's the probably being early, isn't it? If you're early in the market. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think to your question though, like the root of your question is, well, has it taken a long time? And my surprise in reality is, is no. I mean, we're, we're here really, you know, a little over two years of actively coding this. And, you know, this is an incredibly intricate system. And anyone here listening, like, please go to the skill GitHub if you're familiar with, uh, with code repositories and just see the extent of what's been built in this time, you know, by uh, a team of less than 30 people. So we've been, you know, I, these things just take a while. And I come from enterprise where, you know, you just, you know, the average startup has an exit after seven years, ones that get, actually get any Series A funding. So businesses take a long time to build. Products and technologies take a long time to build. The difference, and so I think the difference in blockchain is one part of the product is is tokens. And so people, obviously there was a lot of money made and lost and uh, and news and press created around the value of tokens. And one thing that Scale is doing differently, we're not launching the Scale token until the network um, is viable and up and running. And a lot of people, you know, I think sold tokens and then never delivered anything. And, you know, it, it's just not the right way to do it in our, our eyes. So, you know, it, it's taken a while, but these things take a while to have the type of transformation we're talking mm, about. Absolutely. Cool. So um, we should actually discuss what actually you're doing. So how would you describe it? I've been, I've been looking around, I've got some, some uh, kind of examples, but how would you describe it before we... Uh... Yeah. So let, well, let's start at the highest level. So and then we can go deeper. If you think about scale, the purpose of scale is to any developer who builds something on Ethereum. So let's say we've got a game. I build it on Ethereum. In just two lines of code, I can push it over to a scale chain. And then I still use Ethereum. What I'm doing is I'm using scale next to Ethereum. And all of a sudden, I get sub-second block times. I can do thousands of transactions per second. I don't, my users don't pay gas fees every time they do a smart contract call. And, and we can get into all the values and the way this transforms what you can build in gaming. But, but that's the goal is to make it incredibly easy to one, deploy if you built for Ethereum and two, be composable back to the whole Ethereum stack. So the Ethereum tooling ecosystem just immediately connects into scale because EVM runs on every scale chain. So that's what we're building. And the real novel thing here is that usually this would, you'd think of that, you'd say, oh, that's a side chain. Well, it's actually not, it's, I, I'd almost call it more of a dynamic shard. So shards are where you take 
subsections of, of different uh, of different nodes and you pull them into a blockchain. And so what Scale does is anytime a DAP needs a, a blockchain, a scale chain that's on Ethereum, this, the network on its own uh, generates a shard. And then what it does is it rotates the, 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 the actors or the nodes that operate that node and, and it rotates the nodes in and out. So you get this random pull from this big, big group and then they're rotated and it's also a proof of stake. So they have an incentive. So you get security from a bigger group while having your own blockchain. You have only 16 validators working for you, but there might be 6,000 validator nodes in the, in the ecosystem. And then they're randomly pulled to you, they're rotated, and there's penalties if they don't perform well. So that's the model. And at the end of the day, we're really just trying to help people that build on Ethereum be, um, you know, do the things that they're good at, which is building games or DeFi applications, et cetera, and not needing to be blockchain developers. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So, so you're saying not a side, not a side chain. I, I, I've seen kind of terms like electric, um, ele- electric, elastic side chains. Elastic, <laughs> so. yeah. So I would call them elastic side chains. So if you're going to say this, so this is, you know, these dynamic shards are elastic side chains, and they're they're configurable. You can get a small one, medium, large one. They're elastic in the sense that they can be pulled and rotated within this broader group. So, so we're trying to reframe people. Side chains have a very poor, uh, well, I wouldn't say poor track record. What I'll say is a poor uh, reputation. I don't know. If, um, and one, you know, there's just less validators. So it's easier for 16 to collude. And that's why we pull from a big random group and scale and rotate them. And the other piece is that if that side chain dies, there may not be a mechanism to get that data off that chain. So scale also has snapshots. It can be pushed out every, you know, in, intervals of hours or days, whatever you configure it for. And you can always keep that record. Um, one, it's going to be on uh, some of the nodes, which mean you're not going to lose it. But two, you can push it at any given time somewhere else. So those two issues are really solved with this elastic model. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess something else that was uh, another term used, which is obviously not exactly the same, at least in my technical mind, there's kind of le- people called layer two solutions. Would you see yourself as a layer two or do, would you find that that also that kind of a terminology to not be helpful? You know what? If, one, I, I've always been a proponent of, of saying we've outgrown that term. If you, the word layer and the and the numbers one and two are incredibly simple. And so, so if, you know, and these are very intricate systems. So one, you could say, oh, is there, you know, is it custodial layer two, non-custodial layer two? Is it layer one, layer 1.5, layer two? Like scales actually built into the Ethereum mainnet and it has nodes that, that work outside the mainnet and they work together. And so scale is really a unique beast. And I think, I think you know, if we look at the way enterprise infrastructure evolved um, and they tried to say something was layer one or layer two, that would have been outpaced probably in like 1997 as <laughs> infrastructure improved. I think the same thing will happen in blockchain. That term may end up being uh, far less valuable over time because it's hard to be accurate and simple. And those are two simple words. Yes, it's always always the problem, even in my kind of limited technical experience, or particularly with my limited technical experience, as soon as you kind of get your handle on one phrase and then someone actually tells you what it means, you go, well, I didn't really understand that at all. So, but I guess there's always, with blockchain, there's always, I always kind of think that there's probably, yeah, there's no, there's always some, always someone who knows more than you, even, even if you're the person, even if you're Vitalik, there'll be someone who knows some extra special thing and he doesn't know some detail because that's just the, the kind of way it is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's also this, there, for interesting thing to know, there's also this uh, nomenclature and diction police 
within the like Ethereum community trying to describe what is what. And the reality is, you know, I think a lot of, uh, again, layer two uh, by some people's terms means there's no custody. And, you know, again, I think it's a poor term because there's a lot of ways to add it. You know, Bitcoin can be a layer two for Ethereum or Ethereum could be a, a layer two for Bitcoin. And that doesn't work in this that description of custody because custody goes to another set of nodes. So, you know, I think it's it's more accurate to say custodial layer two or non-custodial. Or actually, I think eventually we're going to have more specific terms to say, oh, that's a dynamic shard or that's, you know, an elastic side chain. Or um, we'll start coming up with different ways and we'll look at the orthogonal cuts and realize it's not all this, uh, you know, one dimensional layered thing happening. Mm hmm. Um, so, and, and kind of, uh, I guess the final piece of, of talking about kind of side chains. So, so that I, I guess what's interesting, and and you talking about this kind of like this more complex kind of level, um, and not to talk, not particularly to go into detail of your competitors, but but for the last kind of year or so, we've had certainly in the game space, we've had a few uh, people doing what was kind of called side chains, and I'm not technical enough to know whether those solutions were good enough, but um, I guess we've seen we've not really seen. Um, I mean, Loom Network is the the kind of famous one that for various reasons have tilted away from games to enterprise, and there was POA back in the day, and now there's kind of Matic. So there's a few kind of ones out there. I mean, do you think your the way your consensus model works, or, or the way your architecture works, is 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 very different from from other kind of competitors, or is it are people roughly trying to do the same thing? Just in different kind of no, you know, it's actually it's actually incredibly different. And I'd say what scale is building is far more complex and, and difficult to build because and that's you know, we're we're excited to launch and oh, this is 2020 is a year of put your money where your mouth is, like deliver, right? No more let's no more talk from people, like let's let's get things built. But so if you have a fixed set of validators and a fixed set of chains it's far easier to manage. And so, so in these DPoS systems, only a certain number of nodes can be a validator. And those ones who have the most, I guess, stake get to participate in consensus. And then, um, and so Matic and others uh, may have a very small subset of nodes, like you know, you've got single digit amounts of nodes that are running a blockchain. And they can, you know, I think they have some really great tech where they can build, uh, you know, they can give people their own blockchain. But again, you're you're trusting this fixed set, and so the all the issues with side chains then are are there. And so the way they get around that, they try to uh, they you give the option to use a plasma type uh, fraud proof where you basically trust one central node, and that central node then becomes the policeman, and that. You know, police. Uh, you know that uh, that police uh, person then is able to essentially call out if something isn't accurate. If something goes back to the main chain, it doesn't match what the state should be. They say, "Hey, this is wrong." They can say, "Hey, this is wrong." Or that what happens is the end user then says, "Hey, my money was stolen," and it can go back to the you know police and verification center, and which is a centralized node, and say, "Hey." Let's get the money back. So what that means is you create a really poor user experience. The money gets locked. In. Well, in some cases, in other cases, it can be good. But other cases, it's like you can play this game or put your money here. But guess what? It's locked for two weeks and you better watch your money instead of the validators watch your money. And so um, so it's just, you know, either you have to what we're doing is we have this huge, you know, it can grow linearly. Every new node that joins, the network grows and you can have an unlimited amount of chains 
And then the network on its own has to be able to talk and look at resources and without a person being in the loop, assign a blockchain. And if a node goes down, it has to kill that chain and move a new one in. And it has to do all of these things that, you know, the orchestration piece is hard to do autonomously. And that's really what scale is bringing. So it just brings more decentralization and security to the equation. And then you don't have to use a plasma. You don't have to you know, use a uh, roll-up technique. So, and I don't want to say anything bad about those other platforms. I think I've met the people that work on them and they're phenomenal people. And I think we, it's all the work we do in the space is value add to everyone. Um, but it's just a very different design spec when you think about how the scale network operates. And I guess uh, kind of coming it from the other side, I mean, who knows quite when it's going to be up, but you know, what do you think the impact of something like Ethereum 2.0 kind of coming in on some horizon is for you guys? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, Scale's been building with ETH2 in mind for a long time. So we're, we're you know, the team's working on that. Are, again, phenomenal set of people. We're really excited for this to be released. And when you think about Scale, Scale has interoperability and composability back to Ethereum. So it's instead of one blockchain, it will be, you know, a sub maybe 32 shards or whatever the design spec ends up being. And then the scale chain just has to write back and forth to whatever that shard is. And so if you think about the value of the scale chain, you still you still have latency on the mainnet. And for blockchain gaming, to have sub-second block times is amazing. And the other piece is to have gasless transactions. On the scale chain, you can make you can make it so your users, anytime they fire a smart contract or or send a transaction, they're not charged gas fees. They're only a charge when they go back to the mainnet. And so it just dramatically changes the equation. The other piece is every game has its own blockchain. You don't have to share it. So imagine like we're using uh, Gmail and all of a sudden Zoom uh, gets used 100x and our, it costs us like twice as much to send an email and, it, and it's way slower because everyone's using Zoom all of a sudden. Well, the real world doesn't work that way because every application has its own backend database. And similarly, we think every application, game, DeFi app, whatever, should have its own backend blockchain as well. And that's really you know, what we're trying to deliver. Well, I guess over the last month or so, it's been patently proven that, that um, something needs to happen with Ethereum. <laughs> well, 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 Tether is kind of destroying, um, everyone, uh, congesting everyone's, everyone's chain. Uh, basically, Ethereum games over the last two weeks, you probably haven't noticed, but Ethereum games have basically collapsed. I mean, the, the usage of just, uh, just basically, for a lot, some of them have gone exactly to zero because the, the gas fees are now so expensive. So it's a good, uh, <laughs> I guess from your point of view, good timing. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I think, again, like these things aren't unidimensional fixes. It's not like ETH2 fixes everything. Um, and it's not like scale itself could fix anything, everything or some other scaling mechanism. You actually, you do want the ball moving forward on these different areas. And so I think as ETH2 improves and as, you know, scale launches and other techniques launch, you know, we're going to see the problem get fixed from different angles. And even just something like what's going on lately has been, catastrophic right and that just won't happen anymore i think in a year i think we're going to be in a different place so in terms of um kind of kind of where, where you are and if, if i'm a kind of blockchain game developer who's basically lost all his audience um at the moment and desperate for a solution um how how quickly can you can you help me and what do i have to do yeah so the scale mainnet is going live this summer so i think so one if you go to the scale website scale.network scale with a k uh, you can find out about the Scale Innovator Program. So we're getting we're getting chains to developers now, and we have been for a while. There's 
There's over 40 dApps uh, in the in the in the program. Of over a third of them are in gaming, and so we're we've got uh you know we're we're here to support, get you early access. We've got a solutions engineering team, and you know we just yeah our we're very we're just the majority of our focus is on on the you know developer side uh, with resourcing. So we're there to support, but the main job we have to do is get the network live. So we're pushing, uh, we're showing everything, showing it's going to be ready in June for launch. Um, the exact timing needs to coincide with uh, uh, this proof of use mechanism that we're doing with consensus where the, the network launches and, and it coincides with this Dutch auction where we you know, let the market set a price for the token. And then what we end up doing is we end up uh, uh, launch, you know, none of the tokens are liquid. The tokens then are locked for 90 days and it really gets utilized for its utility purpose. And it's not just being traded. So that's, um, so, so the exact timing of the mainnet needs to coincide with that. So that's why I don't have a firm date for you today, but we'll, uh, consensus will be announcing it soon. Although I'm, I'm sure you're very happy to kind of finally get to that position after the, the, the years you spent working on it. I guess that's also the most fraught time because there's so many moving parts. I guess I guess we've seen with other quite high, high profile um, blockchains that have similarly, um, I mean, I don't think they had a lot of dApps running on them, but they've similarly tried to do Dutch auctions. It's, that's not worked out very well either. But I suppose locking, locking things in is helpful. Yeah, we're excited about the Activate platform. So you can go to Consensus Activate and learn about it. So it's 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 really about network health and long-term growth. There's you give up a lot of short-term, I guess, token appreciation that you would get just on launching on an exchange immediately. But I think in general, uh, it's a you know huge, yeah, it, in general, it's a big it, it's it's better. It's the best thing for the community. It's the best thing for the DAP developers, uh, the validators. So we're excited about it, and it's it's novel and new. So please go check it out if you are interested. So we've got obviously kind of games as as kind of one of the big kind of categories in in blockchain, which is you know normally has quite a reasonable kind of a kind of user or reasonable percentage of, of kind of user base of, of most of these smart contract blockchains. And also we have DeFi, which I guess um, kind of you probably don't uh, impact so much because generally that they're kind of happy with gas fees and, 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 and block times as they are. Are there any other kind of dApps that you think um, you can kind of enable um, that, that maybe are struggling at the moment? Yeah. You know, there anywhere there's a middleman taking more than their fair share, their rake, there is somebody who has industry expertise, who's, you know, is looking to build a technology company to go disrupt that. <laughs> and so that's the beauty of smart contracts is you actually can create this other layer of value where you make even the usage of the system and the network and the governance of the network uh, community owned. And so all over the place, even in like event ticketing, um, online, uh, anywhere there's like a social interaction. So social, social applications, communication applications, um, social payments, B two B, especially SMB space. I think I think enterprise is completely overhyped. I think there's going to be amazing products and tools built that service the the small to medium businesses and kind of get them off of the you know out of these monopoly structures where they have to go to these big companies who frankly don't treat them very well and charge them as much as possible. So there's a, that dynamics happening. So it. It, every area we're you know in this central position getting to see you know or like uh, see things happening in all these different different
different industries. So it's really, you know, but again, the infrastructure is not there yet. It's all coming together. I think 2021 is going to be the big breakout year. I thought 2020 would be. I think all of us had a surprise of 2020 was like, but, uh, you know, we're getting close. It, it, so so um, it always kind of reminds me a little bit when everyone says like, oh, it's always going to be next year. It's always this kind of this idea of jam tomorrow. And I'm kind of happy with jam tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not, a, not a kind of greedy person. But, but at some point, I kind of wonder whether the, whether the vision of jam tomorrow, we have to kind of see why, why the jam is always tomorrow. Why haven't we got any jam today? Even a little bit of jam. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of worries me a little bit. Always kind of pushing it out. Yeah, you know, I, I, I will say though, I think the end of the end of 2020 is going to be, you know, I was I was predicting for the last two years, and you know, my predictions don't don't listen to me. I'm you know one person with, you know, you know I'm wrong more than I'm right probably, but uh, but you know I've been thinking it's going to be the end of 2020, and you know I, I wasn't expecting all the kind of blowback from from COVID, but uh, but you know people are still building, and especially on the DAP side, there people are building. It's just you know, what I'm wondering is like, are these dApps, these dApps are going to launch uh, solutions like Scale and E2 and and other, you know, really, I think just approaches to to these problems are all launching instead of, there's been a lot of talk and theory and, you know, so actually, we're actually going to deliver. And then, you know, the question to me is like, what state is the economy going to be in? And what state is like the consumer market going to be in to and, and B2B market to just take hold of these new changes. So that's, you know, but the delivery is finally happening and you're right. Everybody's pushed back. Look at every single project. It took longer than they planned to launch name one. And, and it's very easy to see that that was true across the board, but um, so hopefully it's, it's the end of this year. And if not, hopefully it's early next year. We see, see the real improvement. And I guess we have these, the you know, there's you guys coming out and are you kind of like 100% locked to Ethereum or are you potentially more agnostic? Because there are clearly other, there's other blockchains coming out, which we could see as more traditional kind of competitors to Ethereum. Um, certainly on the game side, we've got kind of Dapper Labs and their flow thing, which is kind of interesting. Um, um, and then in the kind of broader sense, I guess a bit further down the line, we've got kind of Cosmos and Polkadot, which are, you know, I mean, they're doing something, something slightly different, trying to kind of bridge everything together um so if could, could you move if ethereum 2 didn't work out for some reason could you know are you are you um agnostic in some way or are you pretty much kind of nailed down to that to that mask yeah so you can think of scale this is uh this is one of these semi-complicated things to describe verbally but you can think about it as being an extension of the ethereum developer ecosystem so every scale chain runs runs Ethereum. It's a fat, really fast uh, uh, C++ Aleph fork of Ethereum that runs on each scale chain with all these, you know, a lot of other uh, fast improvements on consensus and other, other things happening there. And, but what you can run inside each scale chain, so I could have, you know, I could be somebody who, you know, has a token running on a different blockchain. I mean, let's say I have something on, I don't well, let's just say whatever. Let's say I want to use Bitcoin. I can actually peg that into the scale chain and then have everything, even though my all my assets are running in Bitcoin or one some other network, um, the, I can still use the scale chain. What that means is I get to use the entire developer to ecosystem. <laughs> all of a sudden, I can use all these API-based wallets. I can use um, you know the graph for my data analytics. I can use... I can use all of these other tools that people are building for Ethereum and have the currency basically be, be it gets frozen and cloned or wrapped into the scale chain. 
and then you get to use. So, but still though, when it comes to the smart contract execution and it comes to the developer tooling and ecosystem, Scale will be supporting the Ethereum ecosystem. And that's just, frankly, I think there's probably like at least a thousand to one more growth from a developer uh, ecosystem perspective happening there than any other network, maybe 10,000 to one. Everyone who comes up with a, with a new blockchain always has some really clever, you know, consensus model behind it and you read it or someone's not technical at me reading it. Oh, that's really interesting. They're doing that in a clever way and, and presuming it all works properly, which obviously, um, you know, that does or doesn't work. But then you just kind of think, well, where are all the developers? <laughs> and there's only so many developers to go around and, you know, and, and you know, I, I, it's hard. It's very hard if you have a, a something that works, and people have kind of mind share in that. No matter what the technical, you know, advantage is, unless it's massive, um, to bring people away from it. And and I guess that's kind of slightly in the, in the kind of certainly in the crypto space where everyone's looking for the, the next pump. Yeah, you know, that's kind of I think where people kind of totally overreact to this new blockchains coming along. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see but i guess we are seeing certainly on the DeFi side now we're seeing a lot of this kind of wrap bitcoin and and bitcoin as a liquidity pr- provision for the DeFi side of things so so um i guess we're kind of see starting to see the side of that and and i guess blockchains will have these kind of bridging mechanics it just kind of naturally will arise um and actually that provides i guess more power for the system because they're all kind of interlinking yeah you know that's right i think that's a good way to just describe it you described it in two words uh far more simply than i did and effective, it's, they're just bridging, you know, we're going to have these bridging mechanics and you, even if you don't build on Ethereum, you can bridge over and, or even if not build, you can build on Ethereum and, and access the entire ecosystem, but have a currency that doesn't come uh, initially from not an ERC token, right? And uh, whether it be Bitcoin or something else, but I think, you know, we're, I'm still seeing, you know, we're, we're, we're just we're all about supporting developers and developers are on Ethereum and the, our partners, the people building on Ethereum or building in the space are primarily all building on Ethereum. It's like you either for blockchain development, um, for infrastructure, it's like you're either trying to beat Ethereum and build a layer one or you build for and around Ethereum. And I think the vast majority of the number of devs are, you know, like, you know, I don't have numbers, but it's vast majority are building to support Ethereum. Cool. Well, well, well I guess I guess we'll kind of wrap it up here and, and then and then have it have an open invitation um, in June or July <laughs> to, to see to, to uh, kind of see what's going on and see uh, see the after the excitement. Yeah. Hey, we we've got to deliver. You know, that's <laughs> and we're pumped about it. We're ready. We're going to be ready in June. Um, you know, assuming our not unforeseen bugs that have not yet been like whack-a-mole out. Um, so we're, we're excited and, and just um, excited about the, I think gaming is going to be the breakout uh, breakout category. When I say breakout, meaning like, you know, the first DAP to have over a million daily active users. I think, uh, you know, my, my bet is in the gaming space. There's just so many amazing use cases and, and values for blockchain. And, especially when you get sub-second block times and gasless transactions, you you can move the gameplay itself on chain, making not just the currency trustless or, you know, the smart contract escrow, but the actions that determine what that escrow does. So there's going to be some cool stuff that happens and excited to see it evolve. Mm, good. I like, I like the ambition. I've heard, a, I've heard a few people with this kind of one, one, one million DAUs from, from gaming at some point in the, in the, in the next kind of 12 months, which, which always kind of makes me happy considering, considering we have about, 
six thousand at the moment. <laughs> so it's quite a, it's quite a, quite a multiplier. But um, but I think I, you know, the, the struggle has been when you when the user experience is so is so limited by kind of how the underlying blockchain works that it's very difficult for game designers to to kind of match what the user would expect. And and as soon as we have the ability to do that, then then it becomes a very different kind of situation. So that, yeah, when when the API, you look at the Portis and Fortmatic and Bitskies and Tauruses of the world, the API-based wallets where, you know, you don't need to have use your ledger all the time to auth in. You need to have some currency and then they just, and they can even help you with a fiat on-ramp. And so what we need is non-crypto people being able to use the values of blockchains and crypto. <laughs> and the API-based wallets are doing something amazing. I think having, you know, any, you know, dynamic sharding or elastic sidechain model where you can make the transactions gasless and move gameplay on the blockchain and have it be sub-second instead of 15 seconds. It's, you know, it just starts becoming like a Web2 game. And, and we've got to get there or we're just not going to get the growth. It's just a reality, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Jack, thanks very much for your time. Been great chatting to you. Thank you, John. It's been fun. Good. I will I will uh, put, put your Twitter uh, link and, and links to Scale Labs in, in the show notes. Um, thanks, listeners, for listening. Uh, I hope you are subscribed. If you're not subscribed, um, please do subscribe. Every every week we are delving deep into uh, the blockchain gaming world and trying to make sense of it, um, sometimes more successfully than others. I think this was a, was a fairly successful attempt, at least on my part. I learned some things. So I hope you learned some things as, as uh, listeners as well. If you've got any comments, find me on Twitter at blockchain GMG. But uh, come back next week and see what we're talking about then.